Welcome to season three of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Robinson. This season features exciting guests, real conversations, and actions you can take to reach the biggest possible audience for your work. During season three, we're also featuring an inside look at the launch of my new book, Reach, with a special daily podcast series coming April 18th to 22nd. We hope you'll subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Book Marketing Action Podcast. I'm Becky Robinson, and I'm so glad that you're choosing to listen today. And I'm also really glad to finally meet Laura Gassner-Oding. Laura, I've been on your email list and watching your journey, um, but I also have some catching up to do. So I'm really looking forward to getting to know you more and for all that our listeners can learn from your journey. So as we get started, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and the work that you do in the world? Yeah, so um, I'm Laura Gassner-Otting, and I'm the author of Limitless, How to Ignore Everybody, Carve Your Own Path, and Live Your Best Life, uh, which is a book that I kind of wrote by accident, uh, mostly because I had sold an executive search company that I had founded and run for 15 years to the team of women who helped me build it. And then I found myself in the like, who am I when I grow up kind of moment in life, which I think a lot of authors... I think that's the journey of a lot of authors where they suddenly have success doing something and they have something they want a, a story, a lesson, a something they want to tell the world. And they wake up one day and they're like, how do I do this? So I started um, uh, speaking kind of accidentally. I was, I'd sold my company and I had this moment of like, who am I when I'm no longer LGO, CEO, here's my business card. And it's sort of a funny story. I was I was the chair of a charity auction, an art auction. And uh, the woman who was a very dear friend of mine, who's a local newscaster, got up to like introduce me as the chair. And she's like, and here's my dear friend, Laura. She dedicates her life to philanthropy. And there's nothing wrong with dedicating your life to philanthropy. That search firm I mentioned was literally a search firm that worked in the nonprofit sector. We did all exclusively universities, foundations, advocacy organizations. But it was like she lady who lunched me all of a sudden, like I was no longer LGO CEO. And now I was a lady who dedicated my life to philanthropy. Oh my God. So I went home that night and I bought lauragassneroding.com. And I just started blogging about things that I thought were interesting in the world. And one of those blog posts got noticed by someone who was the executive producer of TEDx Cambridge, the largest TEDx in the world outside of like TEDx Sydney or something. And she called me up one day and said, hey, would you ever consider giving a TEDx talk? That blog post you wrote about solving big problems would make a great talk. And I said, no way, that's terrifying. I don't want to do it. But in the backseat of my car was my then 15-year-old son who now is 19. And he said, don't you tell me I have to do things that scare me? Don't you tell me I have to do hard things? And I was like, yeah, but... And he's like, so what gives, mom? So fast forward six weeks later, I'm on the stage, 2,600 people, gold gilded walls, beautiful crystal chandeliers, and I'm giving the first ever talk of my life. And that talk got some attention, which got some attention, which got some attention. And suddenly I found people offering me money to speak. And I thought that was pretty cool after being in like 20 years of deliverables, right? I was like, it was really cool to like fly somewhere, get handed a check, fly home. And that was the end of it. But I started to notice that the people on stage who were getting paid what I consider to be real money all had books. So I was like, I got to get me one of them because 
10 years earlier, I'd written a book about transitioning from corporate to nonprofit life. For So for those who knew that I had a book, I was the quote unquote nonprofit girl. And for those who, so I had brand confusion because I didn't talk about that stuff anymore. And for those who didn't know, I just didn't have a book. So I ended up writing the book mostly because I had become, you know, become the speaker because I didn't really know who I was. So I wrote the book, I put it out. I got very lucky. I also worked really hard and we're going to talk all about that. The book debuted at number two on the Washington Post bestseller list right behind Michelle Obama. And I have spent the last two years since furiously shoveling foundation underneath the house that I suddenly found myself living in. What an incredible journey and story and one that I'm sure many of our listeners will envy as it relates to, you know, got the TEDx talk, got paid big money to speak. So let's talk a little bit more. You know, what did you use as a tactic to market your book effectively and land on a bestseller list? Like what so worked there, for you? Yeah. So there were several things. And it's interesting because, you know, I tell the story like, ha it all happened by accident. But the truth is like, I had, you know, 25 years of a serious career before that, right? You know, working in the Clinton White House, helping create AmeriCorps, um, going to work for one of the biggest marquee search firms in the country, having my moment of rage and starting my own business and building that to an international firm. So, you know, it wasn't like I just woke up one day and like stumbled my way onto stage. That said, none of the things that I did in that career gave me the platform to launch a book. And I didn't have, you know, when I sold the company, I sold the database along with it. So, you know, I asked people, you know, well, here's a question. How many people do you think I had on my mailing list when I launched that book to a, you know, best-selling book? And they like say, look, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand. And I'm like, no, it's a trick question. I literally did not have a mailing list. I didn't have one. I didn't have a mailing list. And I maybe had like a couple thousand friends on Facebook. I maybe had a couple thousand followers on LinkedIn. I probably had like 500 people follow me on Twitter. Like I didn't really have a platform. But what I did have is I had 25 years of showing up for people, of actually showing up for them and being there for them and helping them and having an abundance mentality. So when the book, the book launched on April, uh, on April 7th and uh, February 15 is my birthday. So for everyone listening in a couple of weeks, <laughs> send me a birthday note. I want to hear from you. Um, but here's what I did. I made this video that I was going to launch on February 15, six weeks before the book was going to come out. And the video is going to be something like today is my birthday and I've got this book coming out. And here's the thing I'm asking is, would you please buy a copy of my book? Because pre-orders are so super important and I'm sure your listeners are for lots of people talk about the importance of pre-orders. They're so super important. And I would really appreciate if you would do it. So I hired a camera crew who came to my house and it took me probably 40 takes. And I still was messing up. Like it was just really hard for me to ask for help from other people. Like it was just hard for me to be like, please buy my book. Cause I wasn't super confident about any of the whole journey that I was on. And instead he was like, all right, listen, just do one that's super goofy, get it out of your system, and then we'll do a real one. So he turns the camera on and I start going, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, happy birthday to an author, please buy my book. It's not going to suck. I mean, like I like did the super goofy thing and I'm like, and if you buy my book, I'll give you a big wet sloppy kiss and I'll be your best friend forever. And I did this cheesy wink into the camera and he goes, great, we got it. And he presses. Oh, and at the end I go, please tell me you got that. Ha 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 ha. And I was laughing. And he's like, great, we got it. And he presses uh, stop. 
And then he starts taking his equipment down. And I was like, no, 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 we have to do the real one now. And he's like, no, 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 trust me, this is it. So I posted that to social media on February 15, saying it's my birthday, here it is, like, here's my one wish. And people started, they, were, they watched it, they responded, they pre-ordered the book, they shared it with friends. They were like, look at my goofy friend, how silly is she? This is the greatest thing ever. And it worked and it worked for one specific reason. I was me. I was just my goofy, moxie, you know, spastic self. And I was just being the me that they had seen show up for them for the previous 25 years. And I'd hired a book publicist and the publicist was like, all right, you got to tell us exactly what you did because we have never seen a ground game as good as yours. And I was like, I don't know, tell all your authors to show up for people for the last 25 years. But it's just like, we think we have to go out into the world and like look like Brene Brown or look like Mel Robbins or look like, you know, insert best-selling author here. And the truth is you're never going to be as good as that because you're, you're never going to be as good as them because you're not them, but you can be as good as you, like you can be amazing at being you and people want you to be you. Like that's why they're connected to you in the first place. And so all of the, all of the like groundswell around the book really started from that as the sort of very first beginning tactic. Wow. Um, well, I hope that people are taking notes um, because everything that you just said, it's all quotable and it's all stuff I hope people will take to heart. And um, I'm so glad that you shared it with us, Laura. Um, what stands out to me though, because you know, being a book marketer, what I always do is I coach people about how you have to take the influence that you've built in your offline life and you have to bring it into online spaces and you have to show up you know, you have to have shown up with value for people over time, but then you also have to find a way for them to remember you and stay in touch with them. And it sounds like when you released that video, what you were doing is reminding people of who you were and reminding them of, of what you were up to so that they could rally around you in that way. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't want to ask, right? Like I, I sent out a newsletter every Tuesday. We talked about it before we, um, before we started. And, and today's, what I wrote about today was actually like asking for help. And like, can you ask, are you able to ask? And I think so many people are afraid to ask. So like, I'm just going to post that I'm launching the book and, and then people will go buy it, but they won't. What they're going to do is they'll like your post. They'll congratulate you. And then their kid will run into the room. The dog will barf. The, the client will call, like something will happen and they'll forget. And what you need to do is you need to do that extra step, was, which is to say, it would help me if you would, right? Please do this for me. Oh, and if you liked it, help other people just like you find this book by sharing about it, telling me what you think is good, writing a review on Amazon, like all of those things, recommending me to, you know, to, to, to organizations that you belong to as a potential speaker, like all the things you can do, but we're so... We're so afraid to ask. And what I wrote in my newsletter today was like, how do you feel when you help somebody? Right? Like you feel amazing. You feel great. You've been of service. You've helped the other person. Like if you are able, like if, if you have something you need and you don't ask for help, you're like, it's like having a gift in your hand and keeping it to yourself, right? Like give somebody the gift of being able to help you. It's an amazing feeling. And so when I launched the book, I was very specific. Like 
you know, I, you know, please go pre-order the book. Here's why pre-orders matter. Here's, you know, if you know an organization looking for a speaker, please recommend me. Here's like three specific things you can say to them. Have you read the book? I would love to, and not just like, please go do an Amazon review, but I'm currently at 97. I want to get to a hundred. Would you be my, you know, 98, my 99th? Like give people, give people a reason to say, I need to do this and I need to do it right now because I understand where I fit into the story. Yeah, that is amazing. Uh, and again, something that I often preach. So I'm curious, Laura, in addition to the social media asks, did you do one-on-one email asks since you didn't have a permission-based newsletter? What else, like, were you calling people on the phone? When you talk about asking, is it this blanket ask that's to everybody who's following you on LinkedIn or is it this one-on-one? I did game? not do one-on-one and um I'm sure I would have been much more effective had I done one-on-one, but at that time I was still like, oh my God, it's so hard. It's like, you know, like we think that writing the book is the hard part. And the truth is that writing the book is so much easier than marketing the book. Like marketing the book is, it's like, I have, I have very good friends in, in the author space and speaker space who would text me as the book was getting ready to come out and coming out. Like, how are you? it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Like you don't have to do everything today. Also, nobody knows the day your book launches, but you. So like beyond the, like, I want to make a list, right? Nobody knows that your book's been out for three months. Like it's okay to keep talking about it. It's fine. Like we forget. And we think that we have to like, oh, my book launched. And you know, right after my book launched, there was this major world event. So I guess that didn't work. Well, no, like nobody knows, like nobody's nobody's paying that much attention. <laughs> like nobody, and we're all paying attention to ourselves. We're not paying attention to each other enough to actually, to actually see that. So I didn't do one-on-one emails when I've now built my newsletter list up since then um, through a number of different things that we can talk about. But I, um, when the next one comes out, for sure, there's going to be a lot of like one-on-one asks and I don't, I don't think the like big bonuses work, the like buy 10 books and get X, buy 50 books and get Y, buy 250 books and get Z. Most of I don't think anybody comes to your site thinking I need 10 books for my team. Oh, if I buy 250, I get that. I guess I'll buy 250 instead, right? Like they, they kind of know what they need. So for the next one, I'm just going to give everybody the same stuff, everything. I'm just going to give everybody everything. Because at the end of the day, I think, none of us are writing anything that's that brilliant and unique. All of the science is online. Like you can find anything, like anything anybody's writing a book about, they've already probably written 17 blog posts about what they're hiring you for, what they're buying the book for. They want to be in your orbit for is the art, right? The science is out there. They want to be there for the art. So giving them all of giving them, giving away everything doesn't mean they're not going to buy more stuff. In fact, it's actually inviting them to become even more invested in the things that you talk about. For sure. So talk about the new book. Before we started recording, you mentioned that you are sorting through the publishing options for the new book. So um, let us in on that thought process. Yeah. The next book really is going to come out of this moment that I had after Limitless came out. So Limitless is about this idea that we are all um, doing all the things that we need to do to fill in all the boxes to be successful And at the end of the day, the boxes are all full, but we kind of feel empty because it turns out we're filling in the boxes on everybody else's list of everyone else's definition of success. Your, your teach, your fourth grade teacher, uh, you know, your neighbor, the Kardashians, your parents, like whoever handed you your definition of success. So it's based on 20 years of me understanding through my search work, my recruiting work that 
we can actually create different definitions. And I sort of give a framework of what the, how to create that for yourself. So the book comes out, it launches again, as I mentioned, number two on the Washington Post bestseller list. I'm on uh, an airplane, an overnight flight uh, on the way home from a conference where I literally opened for Malala, right? Like there were five speakers and I was, you know, one of the Tiffany Bova, Tasha Yurik, Tiffany Dufu, me and Malala. And I'm on this overnight flight and I cannot fall asleep. I'm like so jazzed about all of it. And I, I'm like, forget it, screw it. And I open up my laptop and I start writing this blog post about how I don't know if it's yesterday or tomorrow or if like, like uh, you know, what day it is. Maybe it's 7.30 a.m. Maybe it's 1.30 a.m. Maybe it's 4.30 a.m. Somewhere between the blur that was yesterday and the blur that will be tomorrow is the space I'm in right now. And the space I'm in right now is wonder hell. <laughs> it is amazing. It is incredible. It is humbling. It is wonderful that anybody wants to spend even five minutes thinking about this book that I wrote, this idea that I created. And also I've never been so friggin' tired in my entire life. I am stressed. I am anxious. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm making it all up as I go along. It's kind of hell. It's wonderful. And it's hell. It's wonder hell. And wonder hell is the space in your psyche where the burden of potential walks in and goes, Hey, Becky, what you got for me? Are you going to live into this newfound you, this you that you didn't even know existed last week, last month, last year? Or are you going to let it pass you by? And I believe that the burden that you feel is only as big as your own ego. And I realized in that moment that I actually have a pretty big ego. Like, I want more. I like someone's got to be under the oak tree with Oprah. Why not me? Right? Like, I had this moment where I was like, there's something here. How on earth am I going to do it? Because once you see that potential, you can't unsee it. And so I wrote, I've now written 72,500 words of which 60,000 of which I'll publish about this idea. And I um, have interviewed lots of people like Whitney Johnson, we talked about where you first saw me on her podcast, um, on her LinkedIn live. And I've interviewed people about that moment that they were in and how they get there. So what I'm debating now is, do I use the same hybrid publisher that I use for Limitless? Do I go with a different hybrid publisher, right? Like, do I figure out my options there? Or do I try to figure out, can I sell it, you know, to a big house and what does that entail? And, you know, it's, I think, you know, I was having a conversation with Amy Cuddy, who was kind enough to blurb um, the front cover blurb for Limitless. And she was like, look, in, for you, it really comes down to, for, for an author, you go with the mainstream big house publisher if A, you want credibility, if B, you want to make a list, if C, you want speaking engagements. And she's like, you kind of already have those things. So what you don't get is you don't get flexibility. You don't get control. You don't get a you know majority of the royalties. So if you can move a lot of books, maybe that makes sense. So I'm sort of debating this question of what do I need to do to get to a point where I would be considered an A-list of a big house? And can I get there in the next year and then publish Wonder Hell that way? Or do I not do it because if you're at a big house and you get the C, the C team, you know, that's kind of worse than just doing like print on demand on Amazon. You know what I mean? I didn't even know your book was published by a hybrid publisher. I assumed when I heard that you made the Washington Post bestseller list that you published with the big house. So, okay. So here's where- the trick. <laughs> yeah. Tell here's, me. Here's, so here's the other trick. So, so there are a couple things that I learned. Number one, obviously you have to like the pre-orders really matter. Right. So I was already like number one, Amazon, all that stuff in my, in my categories with all the pre-orders. 
Um, I also had a number of speaking gigs that were coming up that I had, uh, that I made sure to do all the pre-orders for that as well. And, um, and I think that those hit on a day that allowed me to like be seen by the Washington Post. But the other thing that I did, which I didn't know, you'll see all these authors posting things like, oh my God, isn't it amazing? Barnes and Noble put me in their window in Fifth Avenue. I'm so honored. Let's well, nonsense. It's total pay to play. If you buy 500 books through Barnes and Noble and they like your book, right? Like you can't, it's gotta be a good book also. Like, and they like your book. They'll put you in the window for two weeks. So I had one speaking event in Canada, um, actually the Malala one, um, that was, it was three separate events and they bought 500 books for each one. So I had 500 books shipped from Barnes and Noble Union Square in New York City, 500 books shipped from Barnes and Noble uh, Times Square, 500 books shipped through Copley Place here in Boston, which by the way, has a Starbucks lounge. So it looked like my books were in Starbucks. Oh my God, I can't believe Starbucks put me in there again. <laughs> so like, I, I was like the Wizard of Oz. Like I looked all of a sudden, like I'm on the list. I'm in Starbucks. I'm in Barnes and Noble. And it's all inside baseball, but everyone from the outside was like, wow, this book is like wildfire. Everybody, it's everywhere. Meanwhile, it's like, don't look at the man behind the curtain, right? Like it's, I'm the wizard of Oz of, of book publishing. But I think showing that momentum. So like next time when I do it, I will send out an email that will be like, things you can do, take a photo of yourself with the book, right? Like all of the things that you do so that it's everywhere and you got all this third party endorsement is super important. It just, it just makes you look like a bigger deal than you are. And I believe in book publishing that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Interesting. So as I'm listening to you, it seems like you already made up your mind. About the next one? I'm not sure. So hybrid publishing is interesting because as you know, there are hybrid houses that are basically just like printing presses. And then there are hybrid publishing houses that are everything just like a big publishing house, except you don't get an advance, you pay yourself to do it. And the hybrid that I used was very close to like a traditional house. And since I had just sold my business and I was cash rich at the time, but, you know, contact and publishing knowledge poor at the time, I was like, well, I might as well invest in myself. So I did that and it, it worked out well because it meant that I was able to get the majority of the royalties, but I had to pay a lot of front. So it cost me a lot. If I, if I wasn't already speaking and I didn't already have that income coming in, I don't know that I would have done it, but I had the luxury, I had the privilege of being able to make that decision in that way. So this time I'm, you know, honestly, I really think it just comes down to ego. Like I just, do I want to be able to say, you know, oh, I'm with blah, blah, blah publisher. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think. I think like a lot of authors at the end of the day, I'm still just a giant bag of insecurities who wants somebody to tell me that I'm a good kid. You know, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's also just part of it. And I think a lot of authors will make poor decisions based on ego. So I don't know. I mean, it's, a, I think it's really tricky. And one of the things um, that I think is really important is having that good publisher on the other side, because your publisher is, or sorry, the good partner on the other side, because I think, I think your publisher is just, they've just seen more than you. Like when I was, when I was recruiting, I'd walk into my client's offices and they'd be like, oh my God, our problem is so unique. And I was like, it's not unique. It's unique to you, but it's not unique to me, which is why I'm sitting here and why you're paying me the big bucks to help you solve it. And so I think finding a publisher who's going to actually pay attention to you and hold your hand and actually work with you through the questions that are so unique to you 
is the way to do it. And one of the things that I heard from a book agent I spoke to said, uh, you need to have 25,000 people on your mailing list and 100,000 people across all of social media in order to even be looked at like legit by a big publishing house. So not quite there yet. And if I can get there, maybe, but if I can't, you know, it doesn't make any sense to be, you know, back in the like, in the nosebleed seats, even if you're at a big house. Yeah, maybe it's an ego thing for me too, um, because, you know, my first book's coming out now, I guess it's like two months from when this episode will air. And I chose to publish with Barrett Kohler Publishers. They are not a big house, but I have this longstanding relationship with them. And I feel like I'm getting the red carpet treatment for sure as a first time author. So, you know, those relationships and the supportiveness is huge. And I get that you wouldn't want to go to a big house and not have the attention, but I would still pick it if someone gave it to me. I don't know. I mean, the thing is like, here's the thing that I know. I don't know enough. That's the thing I know. The thing I know is that I don't know. And if I'm going to be somewhere where like the person I'm working with calls me back, like after three days, I, you know, I just, I, or maybe I'm just a snob. Maybe I'm just 50 and I'm just used to being treated. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I like the red carpet treatment. I think the red carpet, I think that I did better in my book publishing because I had a publisher who I could call up and say, should I buy the Hudson airport book deal? Should I not buy the Hudson airport book deal? And he not only would say yes or no, but he actually walked me through the pros and cons of all of this. And this is, this is um, Rohit um, Bargava at Idea Press is, is who I used. And, you know, like he, he sent me seven different cover options that were all very different from each other. And one of them was exactly the one that I said, this is how I want the book design to be. And he made one that looked like that. And then he sent me six others. And the one that we chose I put it up on Facebook. I put up the one I wanted and the one that everybody else said, like, this one looks pretty good. And literally 98% of the people were like the yellow cover. And I was like, but I want the orange cover. That's the one I did see. And I was wrong. I was completely wrong. I also would have named the book consonants, right? Like my whole theory about limitless is that you are, when you are in consonants in alignment and flow, when everything is in harmony, right? Consonants, that's when you do your very best work. I was going to call the book consonants doing work that matters. And he was like, Laura, no one's going to buy a book. They don't know what the word on the front cover means. <laughs> right. So like, how do you want people to feel at the end of the day? I want them to feel limitless. Okay, great. Like, so I would have done really stupid things if I was left to my own devices or if I, you know, had somebody who was like, you know, in their first year at a big house who was just assigned to me. Cause I was like the last person on the list and the least impressive. So I don't know. I do think having, a good partner made a huge difference for me. Oh, I think so. And I also think you're selling yourself so short. (laughs) I don't know. I, there are a lot of things I do very well. Marketing, marketing is not really one of them. Despite the fact that I did well with the marketing this book, it's because I had a lot of really good partners along the way. Um, You know, and I had a lot of people who helped me figure things out. Like, you know, I am, I, I am not going to put the next book out until events are back. Cause I know I can move a lot of books through bulk buys at events, right? you don't have that as much, you know, in the virtual space. So, you know, there, there are, there are, there are things I learned over time and I, and I became a student of other authors also sort of seeing what they did, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work. And, 
you know, even now I'm experimenting with things. Like I have a, I have a, I have an assistant who put together a little like infographic things that she puts on Instagram of like quotes of mine that people love from the book that they tweet and they retweet and they retweet, but nobody likes the infographics. You know what they like? They like when I put a post of me being super goofy or hanging out with my dog or like hugging my kid and then writing about the thing that then leads to the quote. So like all the things we see people do, like, you know, the templates and the, and the, and the infographics and the, you know, the like preload, all these things, they just, I go back to what I said in the beginning, like what sold my book was me being me. And everybody in your network is in your network because they love you. So if you try to be me, they're going to be like, who's that? I mean, it's like those old, like, you remember those old martial arts movies where like the mouth would move and then you'd hear the words and it's like the audio and the video, like they just didn't, they didn't match, you know, like they weren't dubbed the right way. Like, I feel like sometimes you see people and their body language doesn't match their words or what they post online doesn't match their message. And I feel like the best advice that I could give to anybody is just fully be who you are. And I found that with my newsletter, I know, you, you know, you mentioned that we wanted to, we wanted to talk about that, that in the beginning I was writing very, you know, personal development, self-help writing, you know, like here's the problem and here's the three-step solution. And now I'm just like, here's a time when everything went sideways and wasn't that terrible. And this hurts and this is a hard and that sucks. And here's how I felt. And you may be feeling that way too. And if you are, here's some things to think about. And, you know, my newsletter open rate went from like 15% to 40%, basically overnight when I started actually being me and being real and putting it in there. So I just like, people can find the science anywhere, but what you bring is the art. So you got to be you. Uh, I just love it. And, you know, I, I think I only subscribe to your newsletter, Laura, after it became what it is now. And, you know, I don't open that many, but I on purpose open yours nearly every time because it is that I'm going to get something real. And Hey, I'm 52. Also, I'm 50. Also, I'm not 52. I'm 50. Also. Um, <laughs> and, and I want to read about what someone else who's like in my same stage of life is, is thinking about and reflecting about. Um, and it can make me better too. Yeah. I mean, like the only thing that I can offer that makes me different than everybody else who's out there talking about the same, like how to live your best life stuff is my experience. Like that's it. And you know, there's a, a, a good friend of mine in the speaking world, his name is Scott McCain. And he wrote a book called Iconic, perennial best-selling book about what makes brands iconic um, and what separates like the good brands from the ones that are, you know, the ones you hear about for hundreds of years. And he, he, we were talking one day, we were having dinner uh, in Vegas one night after I did a speaking gig there and it was where he lives. And he, um, I was talking about how I feel like there's so many speakers who are out there so worried about like getting the joke right or like, you know, getting the physical movement on stage right or like doing the marketing material right and all those things that matter, but they don't get the content right. Like people make decisions based on the things we say from stage, based on what they read in our newsletter, based on what they read in our books. They make decisions that are going to affect their lives and the lives of people around them, right? They make decisions. And if we don't get that right, we're really screwing up. And so for me, I can only write about what I know, but we were just, Scott, what Scott calls it is he says, there are a lot of people out there doing book reports. Right. They're doing book reports. They get on stage and they do a whole long thing 
that's basically other people's research or they write books that's based on everyone, you know, they're just regurgitating what everybody else says. So I think if you're not putting yourself into it, you know, you may be writing a very like specific book on marketing or on, you know, or on, or on, you know, climate change or on like whatever the thing might be. But if there is something in your book, that's about you, like you've got to, I feel like you can't half ass that. Like you got, you got to whole ass that, right. You got to be, if you're going to go in, you got to go in elbows deep and be fully in because otherwise it, you know what you had, do you ever have those friends that are like, they're really good friends of yours, but you feel like you're only having surface level conversation. And it just, it almost feels like it's harder to trust. Cause you're like, I know there's more here. Like, why aren't we going deeper? Why aren't they telling me the whole story? I feel like that's what I was doing for the first two years of my newsletter. I wasn't telling people the whole story. And, you know, like, I don't, I don't like put everything on the street, right? Like I, I, I write from the, from the, what is it? Brene Brown says you write from the scars, not the wounds, right? you gotta like, you gotta write when you're ready to talk about it. But I do feel like if you're going to write about something that at all includes your story, you got to include your story. And it's the thing that sets you apart from everybody else. Thanks so much for that. Well, we are coming to the end of our time together, but what we always do at the end of the Book Marketing Action Podcast is we give people some action steps that they can take immediately to implement in their approach to marketing their books. So I heard two things from you that I want to encourage our listeners to implement. The first thing was to ask for what you want, ask people to help you. And by asking for help, you're actually giving a gift to people who will be thrilled to help you. So that's a huge and great takeaway. Uh, No matter where you are on your book marketing journey, whether your book is launching soon or your book has already launched, there likely are ways that people can help you. So ask them. And what I would say is don't just say, oh, everybody seems like they're asking for Amazon reviews or everybody seems like they want people to buy the book. I would ask yourself, what is the champagne moment to quote my friend, Clay Bear, that if you were February 1st, 2023, you were celebrating, what would you celebrate? And then I would say, what do I need? to do in order to get there. So maybe it is Amazon reviews. Maybe it's, I need somebody to introduce me for more speaking events. Maybe it's, I need to get a different blurb for the paperback version of the book or whatever it is, but I wouldn't just go ask what everyone, what everybody's out there doing. I would figure out what you specifically would consider success and what's stopping you from getting to that and go ask for that in particular. Love it. And, um, So the second action step that I would encourage you to try today is to show up more with who you are on your social media posts. Laura mentioned that those infographics based on quotes from her book don't work. What works is like that cool video of your dog and your husband, is it your husband singing to your dog? Like that's what people want to watch, right? Because Um, people think you have it all figured out. You put out a book. It was successful. Oh my God. It's amazing. I could never be you. You're perfect. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I have a dog who has had like stomach surgery every six months because she can't stop eating corn cobs and a husband who sings to her. Like that's my real life. Like here it is. And it just, people want to be part of a world that's more relatable to them. And I am definitely relatable. If I show who I really am. <laughs> I, I love watching it. So where can people go, Laura, to, you know, get connected to your newsletter, find your book, follow you on social, tell us all the places. Yeah. So my name is Laura Gassner Odding. It's a lot of name. All my good friends call me LGO. So you can find me at, Hey, like H-E-Y, Hey, LGO.com. It's a shortcut to my website and I am Hey LGO on all the socials. 
Awesome. You made that really easy for us. And I would encourage all of you. I use Laura's newsletter as an example when I'm teaching people about email marketing and what works. It is one of several that I uh, will share about. So go sign up for the newsletter, watch what Laura's doing, emulate what fits for you, keep showing up. Um, as always, you can email me. I'm Becky at movinginfluence.com. I'd love to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad you invested some time with me. I hope you'll subscribe today and tell a friend about our show. Our website has many additional resources to help guide you no matter where you are on your book marketing journey. Check out the show notes of this episode for links to valuable free resources to support you.